Major support for Out to Lunch on WWNO provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937, now with more than 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. Online at joneswalker.com. Additional support comes from Fidelity Bank, Resource Management LLC, Luba Workers Comp, and 30 North Investments. From Commander's Palace Restaurant in the Garden District in New Orleans, we're out to lunch with Peter Raschuti. Peter Raschuti is Tulane University's A.B. Freeman School of Business professor and economist. It's business, New Orleans style. Hi, I'm Peter Raschuti. Welcome to Out to Lunch. If you ask most people in the United States, what are the two most important celebratory days of the year? They'll say Thanksgiving and Christmas. Here in New Orleans, we're more likely to say Jazz Fest and Mardi Gras. What's interesting about that, other than the fact that we live in our own little world here, is that the New Orleans Jazz and Heritage Festival has attained such a level of significance. We're all familiar with the economic impact of the festival in terms of hotel rooms and bar tabs, but there's another side of the local Jazz Fest economy. The locals for whom Jazz Fest has become an integral part of their own economy. Cajun Kettle Foods has been at Jazz Fest since 1983, serving up a creamy pasta dish that's become almost as iconic as the festival itself, Crawfish Monica. The vice president and co-owner of Cajun Kettle Foods is Crawfish Monica. Monica Davidson, welcome out to lunch. Thank you very much. Great to be here. Now, part of the ritual of a day at Jazz Fest is wandering around the contemporary craft area. Many of us have our favorite artists we catch up with each year. One of those folks is photographer Frank Raley. Frank has been at Jazz Fest since 2005. His iconic New Orleans photos have found their way from his booth to the Smithsonian and into the collections of, among others, Wynton Marcellus, Drew Brees, and Angelina Jolie. Frank, welcome to Out to Lunch. Thanks, glad to be here. Now, Monica, there are a handful of people who have dishes named after them. Caesar salad, eggs Benedict, bananas Foster, but crawfish Monica is only one of the many dishes your food manufacturing company produces. There are actually about 200 others. You have an 86,000 square foot factory here in New Orleans. How important is crawfish Monica and that 100 square feet of stifling hot tent space at Jazz Fest to Cajun Kettle Foods? It's really important. I, I think it's, it's, it's our iconic dish for the, for the company. Uh, my husband developed it, and I think it was really because of the fact that he didn't bring me here uh, in the summer until after we were married in California. <laughs> Good sales force. And he wanted to make it up to me by trying to give me a little bit of something as a result of that. So to make me a little bit of a happier uh, New Orleanian. So he's, he developed this dish and named it after me, and I'm just thrilled about it. But it's the most fun we have all year. We spend seven days out there in the dirt and <laughs> and in, in surrounded by fantastic music and other vendors, and we have a great, great time. And our kids are actually working at the booth um, now, and so they bring all their friends, and it's, it's a really great time. It has got to be a challenge to produce that dish in that small area, though. Well, we make the sauce, we produce the sauce in our factory or in our, you know, plant, and um, we bring it out there in bags, in boil bags. So these bags you can stick in boiling water and heat them that way. And then the pasta is pre-cooked in a bag as well, and then the crawfish are all thawed out by the time we get out there. And so it's you just put it together and put it in a skillet and 
stir it up and serve it. That so sounds we've easy, made it but easier. it's not easy. I bet they, yeah. <laughs> Monica, let me ask you about, you know, we think of you as the, the uh, at Jazz Fest and such, but now you do catering. Your products are in the frozen food section. Uh, you, I, I think you uh, do something for Zia's uh, yes. in terms of preparation. How yes. did it evolve? So you started in 1981. I mention this because a lot of companies either fall short of their potential or they do too much too quickly. How did you evolve into all this? Wow. Well, we started out in our kitchen with a tiny little pasta machine. My husband worked, uh, we met in San Francisco, and he worked with some Italians who brought fresh pasta into his life, essentially, by teaching him how to make it. And then he thought, well, I'm from New Orleans. Let's go back to New Orleans and do fresh pasta for people there. That's how we got into the, the business initially. He brought it over to Paul Prudhomme at K-Paul's and said, Paul, you know, can you, do you think you could use this? Can you try it and see how you like it? And he loved it. And he was our first promoter. He, you know, this, thank you, Paul. He, he's, he's, he's our godfather or, you know, the, the, since you're Italian. You oh, might. yeah. More so, godfather terms, anyway. Frank. This is good. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, so he started promoting us to people in the industry. And that's how we, you know, grew. And, and after that, we started doing sauces that accompanied the pasta. And then this was the best, most uh, exciting and interesting sauce to a lot of people. So we thought, let's combine them and throw in some crawfish and... Let's see how it goes. At now, Frank, Monica can buy tons of crawfish and pasta, and she can hire a bunch of people and make and sell it at the festival. You're one guy with a camera. Mm-hmm. I would imagine it takes quite a bit of planning, printing photos, and financial investment to have enough inventory to sell at the fest. How does Jazz Fest fit into your entire business and artistic schedule? Well, I guess the, the first question... Um, my first year, uh, I had never had a show the first time I showed at Jazz Fest. I'd, I'd never shown that was my your photograph. first show. My first show wow. was Jazz Fest. I was an assistant to a photographer, Rick Olivier, who had showed at Jazz Fest. Oh, he does a lot of that Zydeco stuff, yeah, right? He yeah, he does all the Cajun Zydeco yeah. stuff, a lot of beautiful black and white work. And, um, and so I was familiar with showing my work out there, but I had no idea how much I could sell. I was a waiter at the time. I could not afford to... I noticed to, your good manners here. This right, is terrific. You know, yeah. I, I, I've, <laughs> I've been on the other side of this table a number of times. And, um, and so I, I, you can't figure out how many, how many photographs you're going to sell. How much Monica can you sell in yep. a day at Jazz Fest? You have no idea how to anticipate that demand. Um, and so what I did was uh, I thought about what I liked and didn't like with photography. I don't like to see a lot of inventory because inventory just sitting there, kind of if it's food or photographs, it kind of doesn't feel as appetizing. And so I made some beautiful framed photographs. I, at my first time showing, only had 14 images. I covered the wall with the 14 images and uh, I took orders um, because this is a great way to deal with the, the inventory question. Because of that, I actually learned something that extended this client relationship. I had to stay in touch with the people, tell them what the production was like, tell them that I was shipping them, and build a relationship. And those, that first year became indicative because with Jazz Fest, people come back again year after year. And through creating that extended relationship of not just slinging a photograph in a plastic bag to someone, I, I started the path of creating the career that I have now, and that's still how I do it. Um, so for me, there's the production time. Right now, I'm shooting in the swamp, and so I stay up all night photographing for about six to eight weeks uh, in, a, in a time period before Jazz Fest. 
Then I go and I go into the dark room, print that work, and get all that framed and ready to show it to Asphalt. But I don't create inventory. We have a lot of artists that produce great work, but they're, frankly, and I don't mean to be disparaging here, but they're not very good business people. You're a good business person. Yes. How did I, you do it? Did you go I, to school? Did you? Truthfully, my family, um, my, my father and grandfather and my whole, my dad's side of the family are, uh, they're Italian entrepreneurs. Um, they were in the real estate industry. And so I grew up around that. And I was encouraged to be okay with, uh, with sharing what I made for money, um, which is a conflict for a lot of artists. You yeah. know, a lot of artists, we, we live in a culture of conflict about money on a lot of levels. And uh, people get scared. You don't, know if, uh, you don't know if you should ask for money, if it devalues it. When you're starting out, it's really difficult. We have these examples of artists who make, you know, we hear about things where they sell, sell stuff for millions. Well... When you're making your start, how do you get started? If you can't sell your stuff that's great art for the top of the art market, how do you, how do you begin? For me, Jazz Fest obviously is a, is a great answer to that question because what you do is you have a product that you bring to a market that is interested in that product, and then you, uh, you start to establish what that, what that uh, product will carry in that market. Um, Jazz Fest gave me that opportunity. I had no idea. You know, how do you value one of these pictures? And, uh, you know, I, I had to ask those questions by having that market. And my dad, in my ear, you know, when we're, we're talking and I'm, I'm having the artist's fears come up. And, oh, I shouldn't do it. Oh, I'm a sellout. Oh, <laughs> like, I, you know, I, it's, I'm in a booth. That jazz fest. How, how can this make any sense? This isn't art, you know? <laughs> you, you, you let go of all that stuff and you say, wait, I have something I want to share. Um, and you bring it to Jazz Fest and you have this amazing community of people who've come there to consume, experience, com commemorate the New Orleans culture. And so I'm, I get to participate in that. I, I read in, in some of your, uh, your biography that you, um, you grew up pretty comfortably and then kind of fortunes changed in your family. Right. Um, how did that have an effect on you? It must, it must have. Yeah, definitely. Um, so my dad was in real estate at the time of the oil bubble in the Gulf of Mexico. And so as a kid growing up, I saw the trappings of wealth come up around me. I, I rode a prancing horse at, um, at a, in Audubon Park, and, you know, and I lived in a big house, and, and I associated my friends and family members were, you know, they, there was money around. And then um, when the oil crashed, uh, the, you know, the, the bank came to the house and told us we could go camping. I think that's, I think that's one of your jokes. <laughs> that is one, one of, of my jokes. jokes. I can't believe um, you know that. And, uh, <laughs> and so when that happens, you as a kid and you, and you go through a foreclosure and you see the evidence of, you know, your dad goes to work every day and makes money, but then it can all get taken away. It starts ask, making you ask questions about well, what can I do for a way of living that is more than just making money? And truthfully, I think that's the reason why I ended up in the arts, because I wanted to make something aside from making money. Um, and, uh, you know, there's this idea of the B Corporation now, a benefit corporation. You want to, profit is important, but I also want to create something, both for me and for the community. And I was a young and rebellious and foolish when I started this business. I had no idea. <laughs> Who would start what, it any other way? Right? Yes. right that's right? true. That, that's what happened to us, too. You had no idea where right, it was going. No, what you're we had no into. idea. No, People we, say they are lying, no. right? We had a we had a pasta machine in, in our in our kitchen, and exactly. it was a little tiny little place, and you know um, we didn't know, and 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 that's what, I mean, taking that plunge is a huge step, and that's a lot of people don't feel comfortable 
immersing themselves in that type of uncertainty. And and and, and you know, I my actually my dad was an entrepreneur. He he was he worked for companies all over the world when we were growing up. And he um, started his own company when he was in his 40s. And um, he was really, really, I mean, he grew up, um, his father died when he was young. He um, was a Berkeley grad like me. And he um, got into Harvard. He did not have a car. And he lived in California. So oh, he hitchhiked. That's a long walk. I've done and that. Took a train <laughs> and took a train from California to Boston. And he worked in the cafeteria at Harvard. So he really knew what it was like to kind of take a risk and, and be in a situation where you have to, you know, build your own future and was not a happy guy really working for anybody else until he started his own business and he was just happy as a clam. So I saw that, you know, in him. And then, so that was an impetus for us. He was also very, very encouraging of us. Now it's time we do the checklist. This is the part of the show where we take a little break and ask you a quick question you probably wouldn't find on a loan application. I'm going to start with you, Monica. Um, what's the best day you've ever had at work? Well, um, I guess really. I mean, you know, we were talking about Crawfish Monica and how that kind of goes into our the, the mix. Um, what I think is important about Crawfish Monica for us is not only that it made us well-known, but also that it made us well-known for quality food. And that's what we try and permeate, you know, our whole our whole product mix with. But I think one of the most interesting days I had at work was a day at Jazz Fest, where it was one of the biggest days they've ever had, 160,000 people on the fairgrounds. And the line was very, very long. We have six across, 20 deep. So we have 120 people in line at any one time. We do about a serving a second. So we do about 60 servings a minute. And... Um, and it goes pretty fast. However, it was a really hot day and it was really crowded. And there was a man in line with his, I guess, significant other. But she was kind of clinging to him like she was, she looked like she was about to pass out. In fact, she looked like she already had. So we saw him. So he comes to the front of the line finally and he kind of slings her over. She, she kind of falls in front of him and he says, I'd like four crawfish monicas, please. And we looked at the lady on the floor, and we looked at him, and we ran out. A couple people ran out, carried her to the back. We gave her water. We gave her food. We did all the stuff for her because we were really worried that she had heat stroke. And um, she came to, and she was doing better. And um, our daughters had a couple of friends over there, and one of them said, you know, people do anything for free crawfish Monica these days. <laughs> I tell you. So that was kind of like... <laughs> kind of like, like an interesting story. So she was saved by crawfish, Monica. Was, so it has medicinal qualities, which it, is great. We're absolutely. breaking a lot of new ground if, here. If you <laughs> cut the line at crawfish, Monica, it can save you. <laughs> That's the whole thing, the line at crawfish, Monica. Man, if you can get if you can get through that line. How much quicker do you want a, a serving a second, Frank? This is pretty uh, great. And Frank, I got to ask you: When you were a child, were you in leadership or any entrepreneurial kind of ventures? This will this will give you an idea of um, my artistic bad instincts. Um, I went to the zoo as a kid uh, all the time. That was you know that's what we did for my birthday. I went to the zoo. Tuesday I went to the zoo. Thursday I went to the zoo. I was fascinated by, um, in particular, by waterfowl, um, by by ducks. 
but exotic ducks, uh, strange breeds of ducks with big colorful plumage, um, you know, wood ducks and mandarins and hooded mergansers and blue teal and all these, all these different uh, species of, of ducks. And so as a kid, when things were going well in my family, um, I started uh, getting ducks for, for my birthday presents. And uh, I started raising these ducks. Um, so my first entrepreneurial venture was, uh, was raising these exotic uh, waterfowl. This is, I started when I was eight. So by the time I was 14, 15 years old, I had several hundred ducks, uh, probably 40, 50, 60. Several hundred ducks. Several hundred ducks. With, I wanted to make a zoo because I thought that everybody else must love these ducks oh. as much as I do. Um, luckily, my photographs have more of a market than ducks do. Because this, <laughs> this, but this was my first venture. My family, my, my, my brother, um, he, uh, we had horses, and uh, my brother would uh, uh, go and bag up the, uh, the horse stalls, the, um, uh, the, the leftovers in the horse stalls, and he would think drive it's called it out. manure? That's, that's yes, okay. That's, we're getting there. And he I'm would, urban, he would, but I think I know that. He thing. would drive it uh, to the front of the road <laughs> and have it out on sacks on the road with a sign out there. And um, he, uh, he was talking to my grandfather one time, and my grandfather said, well, you're quite an entrepreneur. He said, it's entrepreneur. And he said, no, it's entrepreneur. He said, no, I'm in the manure business. <laughs> so our family has a... Has oh. a, a long history of being oh. in the manure business. In the manure entrepreneur business. Yes. That's great. That's perfect. Monica Frank, I want to take a minute to introduce you to Elio Blocks. Now, we met Blocks, as he prefers to be called, through 52 businesses who specialize in finding entrepreneurs in the very, very early stages of development. Blocks' entrepreneurial idea is called acrodisiac, so not aphrodisiac, acrodisiac. And, uh, and I'm going to give Blocks one minute to tell you about it. Then I'm going to give you each a chance to ask Blocks one question, a question you think he'll need to be able to answer to move his business forward. Uh, Blocks, give us your one-minute pitch. Acrodisiac is a performing acrobatics duo and production team that ignites audiences with inventional rather than conventional performance art. Events are meant to truly mark an occasion. Stage shows should be genuinely entertaining, and we offer an elevated, inventional entertainment style to help our clients achieve this with a lasting impact. So as owners and principal artists, Athena Masters and I perform partner acrobatics in which we literally transform expectations of the possible. We offer feature performances as part of a larger show, as well as accent performances to set the tone of an environment and essentially be a dynamic human art piece. We also produce feature-length shows and event entertainment packages. Our specialty is sort of a sensual, romantic presentation, though everything we offer is customizable and caters specifically to the event at hand. Acrodisiac provides unprecedented entertainment for private parties, corporate events, burlesque shows, uh, festivals, art projects, film, also commercial work. Monica, do you want to start? Or? Sure. Um, wow, that sounds like a really interesting um, idea. How do you, tell me how do you customize what you do to your client base? How, what process do you go through in order to do that? We have performed a range of events from um, conventions to private parties to uh, corporate functions and fundraisers and theater shows on cruise ships. So we really have this range and so it's important for us to connect directly with whoever is hosting this event and figure out exactly what it is they're trying to capture. And then what we do is cater our performance style 
space, um, really meaning the tricks in which we will actually perform and the ways in which we'll do them, and our costuming. We will, we will theme the entire production towards whatever um, theme the party or event is meant to be. Are you the sole, are you and your partner the sole providers of entertainment? And if, is there a growth strategy for you to be able to bring in other performers? Currently, Acrodisiac is just uh, Athena Masters and myself, Elio Blocks. In terms of who is owning and operating the business, um, most of our gigs we get hired as an act. We don't have to hire people as staff, as employees. But whenever an opportunity comes out, we can just have separate contracts with yeah. other performers that we've already worked with probably 10 to 15 times. We get, they're reliable. They know our company and the style of presentation we like, uh, and it all fits together very nicely. Blocks, thank you so much uh, for coming by today. We'll look forward to following your progress with Acrodisiac. Uh, now, we're going to stick around for a little longer after the show and talk some more about Acrodisiac. You'll be able to hear uh, the rest of that conversation with Elio Blocks on our website, itsneworleans.com. Monica Davidson, Frank Relly, most of us wander around Jazz Fest oblivious to everything except having a good time. From now on, we'll be a little more aware of the hard work that goes into the food and crafts. I hope you both continue to have many great years out of Jazz Fest, and thank you both for taking the time to join me on Out to Lunch. My guests on Out to Lunch today have been Monica Davidson, Vice President and Owner of Cajun Kettle Foods, and the person Crawfish Monica is named after, and Frank Relly, the photographer Frank Relly Photography is named after. So we'll look at it that way. You can find out more about Monica's food and Frank's photos by following the links on our websites, www.no.org and itsneworleans.com. Our show is recorded live over lunch at Commander's Palace in New Orleans. Commander's Palace serves lunch Monday through Friday, jazz brunch on Saturday and Sunday with live music and dinner seven nights a week. The producer of our show is Grant Morris. Our technical producer is Eric Merle. The fleet of foot Jennifer Smith is our researcher. Mitch Foreman wrote and performs all the music on Out to Lunch. You can get this show as a podcast. You can listen to past shows and you can keep up with us on all kinds of social media by going to our websites, itsneworleans.com and wwno.org. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting and WWNO for itsneworleans.com and WWNO 89.9 FM. I'm Peter Raschuti. Thanks for joining me. I look forward to meeting you again next week around the table here at Commander's Palace for more business, New Orleans style, on Out to Lunch. Major support for Out to Lunch on WWNO provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937, now with more than 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. Online at joneswalker.com. Additional support comes from Fidelity Bank, Resource Management, LLC, Luba Workers Comp, and 30 North Investments.